Look, everyone in the show needs to go to hell. Hey everyone, welcome to Bar Side Chats. I'm Brian the Gleeman. And I'm Matt the Innkeeper. And this is a Wheel of Time podcast from the Dusty Wheel. And we're back at the bar side for another round of chats. I'm Brian the Gleeman, and I'm here with my friend Matt the Innkeeper. How's it going, Matt? Fantastic. I just saw a debate, and I'm ready to argue with you. <laughs> oh, boy. Hey, Matt, did you know that there's a TV series about the Wheel of Time coming out? What? Oh, I'm yeah. totally watching that yeah. show. <laughs> yeah, there is. There is. And, and we're not going to talk about it tonight. Oh, but what? <laughs> let, let's talk about other TV shows. That give us hope or concern about the upcoming series. How does that sound? I like it. I like it. Uh, that makes sense. So, what do you think? What, what are What do you think about Amazon's chances of putting out a great show? Uh, you know, that's a good question. I think for many years it was like these kind of groups couldn't take on the big, you know, the MGMs of the world, and you know, uh, but lately, I don't know. Like, I I could not get enough of Man in the High Castle. Like, I just, I want that show to go on and on and on. There's just something about the production value, the writing. Uh, I mean, even down to, like, just costuming. Uh, they immersed me in that world. Like, like it was so real that the fantasy side of, like, how much I love fantasy was like, what if this was real? And what if we are living in an alternate, you know, like, we're in an right, alternate right. reality. And... Like they bought, I bought in so hard to that show, and I think it it proved to me from an Amazon from Amazon perspective that they can support and fund and bring like really impressive shows. Especially, I mean, I loved the kind of sci fi fantasy element that that had in it, and I I think they handled the the multi world aspect really well. So yeah, I that one for me, I, that one gives me hope. I. I, if they can do as well as the man in the high castle i'm i'm sold so the man in the high castle was the show about uh alternate history where the nazis win world war ii and essentially take over america and uh, I, I believe it's been a while since i've seen it but i believe the the west coast is basically owned by japan and then like the rest of the country is owned by the Nazis. Yeah, well, there's like right. some, and yeah, there's like some kind of uh, some territory. I can't remember what it's called in the middle, but yeah, it's like uh, some form yeah, territory. Like no yeah, land no man's land where there are some rebel, you know, American right. forces or Americans living there and, and fighting. And so there was like, if I like, my recollection of the show is that there's a lot of um, great world building. Like it, like you said, like it feels like a real a real world where this really happened it felt possible it doesn't feel yeah. like a made-up yeah it doesn't feel like hollywood just made something up it feels like a real thing so um what what elements of the show do you think amazon did particularly well with respect to world building like that maybe we could translate into the wheel of time show? yeah that's a great oh uh, yeah so that's a great question this is something i've always brought up that show felt like big right like the cities felt real and there felt like there were there were 
so many people and this was like a real civilization that had so many moving parts to it and that yeah i think that aspect absolutely pairs with what i hope for the wheel of time right that's something that i think the witcher does really poorly <laughs> that right. was the unbelievable side of that I, I've brought this up before in other, you know, in other city, settings is uh, Camelin's a huge city. So Man in the High Castle, it seemed like they cared to to really make it feel like this actually happened, right? Like the Japanese, you know, basically had the west side, you know, of the states and you were there. Now that might have something to do with the fact that it's our world already and we can kind of buy into that. But like I said, they... they it did not feel like they were just pasting, you know, a background and then like a hundred people in front of it. And you're supposed to believe that this is, you know, millions and millions of people in a real world. Right, right. I've seen shows where, or movies even, that when they run through a city, it's very obvious they're running around the same block every time <laughs> yeah. because it's, it's clearly a studio and they're kind of like, changing the camera angle to make it look like it's a bigger place than it is, but it's clearly the same place. Yeah, that'll that'll uh, hurt me. That'll it, hurt me if that's what happens. Oh. Yeah, I'm, I'm really afraid of that. I think um, Man in the High Castle did that really well. And fantasy shows in particular struggle with this because they are dealing with made up places. You can't just like go to, you know, New York City and start recording on the streets because and have, you know, realistic backgrounds because they are real right you have to go to you have to build sets you have to build enchanted forests you have to build you know the ways what do the ways look like you know and it, i guess a lot of it can be green screened but um any uh a good show like the man in the high tower like some of it is cgi but a lot of it is like really good set design and world building and making you believe that it's a real place and not just like seven extras in different costumes over and over and over well the other the piece of man on the high castle is the parallel universe side of this right and so they right. they did have to invest in actually having the what we would consider the real side <laughs> the real universe right. right and that that comes that's a question you know people have brought this up about the wheel of time with mirror worlds are we going to even see those does that seem like too much for people to understand i hope that rafe and his team aren't saying you know like that's that's too much for people to understand like i think man in the high castle proves People get this, right? People understand alternate realities. Uh, I'm trying to remember the – there's a Joshua Jackson and – oh, man, I wish I could remember the name of the show. But they did they did parallel universes really well too. And I think that's something that Americans – you know, sorry, not just Americans. I think that's something that uh, we buy into really well and they can do really well. So I, I kind of hope that Amazon, you know, and the crew, showrunners and everything accept this as – actually something that could be really important to the world building. You mentioned The Witcher earlier, uh, the TV show based on the video game, which was based on the books. <laughs> um, and the uh, I, I only got like, I think I only got like two episodes into it before I kind of gave up. I just, it was just that bad, um, which was bad, sad because I wanted to You can't to give up, man. You can't give up. You got you to gotta sit through that. <laughs> no, I don't. I really don't. Life's too short. So... <laughs> Uh, one thing that really did drive me nuts about the show was uh, the dialogue was pretty wooden and not not very good. It actually felt like a video game where, you know, the NPCs are just saying, reading a script. Um, and it also, the, like you said, like the scenery, uh, the, the sets were, they didn't feel epic enough. They didn't feel big enough. 
Now, one thing they did do well, I thought, was the costumes um, and, you know, and just kind of some of the magic and, and stuff like that worked out really well. But it was it was really it was really kind of a weak offering of a fantasy series. Uh, and I had high hopes for it. And so, uh, you know, I'm a little disappointed by that. I'm a little bit worried about the Wheel of Time side of that. But if they can t- make all of that as epic as the Man in the High Castle, then we'll be fine, right? So I'm kind of curious about this. Now we're bringing up, you know, whether or not worlds are epic enough or seem that way, if whether or not you can buy into this being a real world or if it's just a set that you're looking at. Witcher for me was, I felt like I was looking at a set. Everything was like, show me an image. They're going to this castle. Show me a room inside of the castle. Show me another image. They're going to this town. Show me a street on the town. Like I, That's what it felt like the entire time. What did you feel about, though, because uh, people often compare this to Game of Thrones, because it is like fantasy fiction, right? Like some of these that we talk about, Man in the High Castle, is more kind of, to me, like sci-fi. And I feel like they do sci-fi r- really well in comparison to fantasy kind of fiction. You know, you look at, like, yeah, yeah we're talking Witcher or Cursed on Netflix. Hi, you know, <laughs> like, uh, I yeah. don't know if this, any of our listeners are loved Cursed, but I watched the, I watched all of Witcher and all of cursed and just it's not fantasy done very well but it goes back to this moment game of thrones to me did feel a little bit like lots of cool sets like they had money and they had really good cgi but i still felt like it was like like you're on a chessboard or whatever and you're like i'm gonna go to this i'm gonna move my castle over here and you know jump to castle um so i i did you feel that way about Game of Thrones or did you, were you as kind of just like I'm talking about Man at High Castle, were you embedded in that show? Did you feel like they handled that really well? I think Game of Thrones handled it better than most. Game of Thrones was one of those things where like when they were outside, it was almost better than when they were inside um, because it, you know, I don't know. Like I think there's a little bit of an uncanny valley or a, um, you know, watcher viewer expectations around what we expect to see. Uh, on on screen uh and fantasy is just really hard to nudge itself over the uncanny valley into like real to make it feel like it's a real place where sci-fi is everybody can imagine like this might be 500 years in the future and that makes sense but you know when you have a bunch of men walking around in armor and you know i don't know it just it (laughs) does feel a little fake game what game of thrones did was they had a pretty meticulous attention to detail for the show throughout the entire series um you know the, the last season was terrible universally agreed upon as terrible but they you know the attention to detail and like the sets and the world building and the and all of that stuff the costumes and stuff i thought that was like top notch um compared to witcher and cursed where there was clearly low budget yeah 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 and it was like a, a quick grab at like a popular franchise or a popular story i mean line. so yeah and then i'm talking down game of thrones in the sense like it, i think they made good on their budget and it just felt like larger sets. And maybe that's just a factor of how he wrote that book, right? It's the Game of Thrones, right? So you're you're meant to go like this throne and that throne and this throne. And you're you're meant to almost and it's almost like they the intro to it almost suggests like, yeah, it's like this group is fighting this group who's trying to take over this other group and so it makes sense. It but when I think about that as compared to like Man in the High Castle I still think it's an inferior in the sense of buying, you know, getting buy-in from a 
this is a real world and it's really and it's just epically big and there's real people. And the reason why I'm, and I want to ask you about this, I think Man of High Castle does that a little bit well, does well in that because you see uh, an average person's life at times and then you see the people in power. And there's something I hate about just seeing the people in power. So maybe do you think the Wheel of Time is going to be able to kind of bridge that gap of just because Jordan wrote it that way? Like there's lots of people in power, but there's lots of just regular old people involved in this. There's a TV series on Hulu called The Great, which is about Catherine the Great. And it's a, it's a comedy. Um, but Catherine is Polish and she visits, she moves to Russia to marry the king. I can't remember his emperor. I can't remember his name off the top of my head. When she shows up, it's nothing like she expected it to be. It's weird. It's strange. Like the you know people are doing very weird things. They're wearing the wigs all wrong. They're like playing pickleball in the hall of the castle. Like they're doing these weird things, and it feels interesting and it feels believable because we empathize with Catherine and we're like, wow, that's strange, and she's like, wow, this is strange, <laughs> and so. The fact that it is a little bit absurd and a little bit out of our experience and comfort level actually works when you do have a perspective of somebody who also thinks it's strange. This is actually one of the reasons why most fantasy books start off with a farm boy, because everybody can imagine what it's like to be a farmer or like somebody with no status. And then they go off and become a king or something. Um, you always start off with an outsider as your as your protagonist. There's another series on Amazon Prime that... I think it's fantastic. It's one of my favorite shows, and that's The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. And I think it is great because the writing, the dialogue in particular, is just marvelous. It's great. The characters are really well done as well. There's some, like, I I have a problem with some of the characters acting. I think that um, some people are just a little bit too uh, stage actor-y. But by and large, the show is fantastic. And I think that really demonstrates to me that Amazon and its, you know, team of writers and producers and its studios are capable of producing a well-written series that is well thought out and well told. You've seen Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. What, what do you think? I love it. Like you said, the thing that does stand out to me there is, I mean, it's clearly a period piece and it they do that well, right? I'm like, I feel like they are able to communicate the culture of the time but then yeah the writing is just it's it's fun right it's you could tell they were having a lot of fun with it and i buy into it right it's just yeah it's an enjoyable the characters are enjoyable like you said it does feel a little bit stagey but that's okay because i expect that so i yeah i love marvelous miss Maisel. you know man in the high castle i think uh the the one piece of marvelous miss Maisel is that Again, it does have that kind of it, – it feels um, set piecey, you know, like she's always in this home or she's in this home or she's, you know, at work over here when the parents, you know, factory, whatever that is. And then and then she's back. Uh, then they go on – they visit and they're in a cafe and then they're – you know what I mean? Like it, 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 it has that aspect, but I'm okay with that for this show. Uh, is there anything about Marvelous Miss Maisel you think that they could have done better? I would say the sets, like you said, like the maybe more of a variety. But I think it's the nature of the show, right? The nature of Miss Maisel is that she's a housewife turned comedian. And where is she going to go? She's going to go to her house and she can go to her parents' house and she's going to go to her 
husband slash ex-husband's house. She's going to go to <laughs> right, right, <work>. sure. <laughs> you know, she can go go to comedy clubs. And it, there's not there's not a lot of variety there for like settings wise because it's not about where she is. It's about who she is, and it's yeah. about how she changes. Um, she and her her family and, and friends change over the course of the show. It's not about location. But if you think about a a movie like the Lord of the Rings, the three the trilogy, like that is also about the characters, but it's a lot about the set. It's a lot about the world. It's a lot about, you know, Frodo starts off in the Shire and by the Andes and Mordor and then all of the places in between. And so there is a need for very strong sets. And I think that's part of why like The Witcher and why Cursed didn't work so well for me is because this is an epic fantasy adventure. You expect them to go places and they don't. They go to the same places over and over and it's like, eh, like you can do better than that. So I'm hoping that Rafe and the Amazon team can create sets, believable, believable, large, expansive sets that stretch, that feel epic, that feel huge and have really good quality writing that move the characters forward, move the plot forward, like in Miss Maisel, we can have a really good power combination of types, right, of, of show types. We can have really strong sets and costumes, and we can have really good writing and mix that together. And you don't find that very often. Amazon has a really good chance here. Well, yeah, we definitely, I'm glad it's not in Fox's hands because <laughs> they cancel everything. They cancel all the shows right. that I like um, or have. Uh, they, that's That's the part about this that I... I guess maybe I'm a little bit concerned about it or not. Uh, I have seen a lot of these shows that I've like, they go three, four seasons. Uh, I do question, you know, I mean, do you see Amazon supporting something like this seven, eight, nine seasons? Uh, I can't actually think of an Amazon show that did that very well. Um, Mrs. Maisel was on season four or five now. Uh, Man in the High Castle went to four seasons, I think. And so I would expect most of their shows to wind up around four to five seasons. So I wouldn't be surprised if they pulled the plug at the fourth or fifth season. But I think that's okay as long as they plan to do that. What we as purists, Wheel of Time purists, don't want to happen is we don't want this to turn into a supernatural thing where it's planned to last for four (laughs) seasons and then it goes on for 15 seasons. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Supernatural is one of the best shows ever. It is. It's fantastic. But... But the uh, but, yeah, but the it kind of jumps it kind of jumps the shark after the fourth or fifth season, and then everything else is like completely made up and gets more and more absurd the further away you get from Look, the fourth or fifth season. Look, everyone in the show needs to go to hell and come back from hell. Okay, so. Look, that's important. That's an important aspect to every kind of show like that. <laughs> I say this as a fan of Supernatural. I've watched every episode. I think it's amazing. But if we were to think about the Wheel of Time, we do not want. The Dragon Reborn beats the Dark One, and then they renew it for another season. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the real time geek in me is like, yes, that would be so cool. We could explore what happens afterwards. The fourth age, but, yeah. But the, yeah, but re- in reality, like that would just be bad. Like, there's no way it would be as good as you know our imaginations would hold it up. I will say this: the Wheel of Time has material already there made for it, right? So it has 13 seasons worth of material the question will always be will is amazon willing to support it that long you know yeah if not more right uh you know for example you know one of the other shows that i think they've done a really good job with i love these books is tom clancy like i i'm enjoying it 
it's maybe not the best show ever, but I like it. Like it, it, it pulls from the books, right? It, it doesn't necessarily follow every single thing exactly, at least what I recall. It's been a while since I've read uh, Clancy's books, but I just wanted to see that character. And I think Amazon has, you know, put enough money and, and time into, you know, uh, building a book or sorry, basically a show that does, it's more built on a fast paced entertainment, you know, spy thriller aspect. So I seeing them do kind of the comedic period piece with the marvelous Mrs. Maisel, seeing them, you know, do this kind of alternate world, parallel universe, dystopian thing, you know, and then with a man in the high castle and then seeing them do Tom Clancy, just straight up, you know, spy thriller gives me hope that, because I think to me, the Wheel of Time has aspects of a lot of these kind of things, right? There's there's so many different ways they can go with all these different cultures and interactions. It gives me hope that they can do each of those pieces well when I see something like that. Are you a fan? Have you watched the Tom Clancy ones or no? I have. I have. I really enjoyed them. Actually, they did a weird thing at the end of season one, or between season one and season two, is that they completely eliminated a character. And then they never referenced her again. <laughs> the, the the love interest from the first season is just not I totally doesn't forgot exist about in the it. second season. <laughs> and that's that's a weird thing that they did that I don't really like. But other than that, I thought it was a great series. If we back up and think about all the things we just talked about, The Man in the High Castle, what it does really well is it has a really good world building. The acting, the story's good. We believe it. Mrs. Maisel has great dialogue and great characters. And uh, Tom Clancy shows that they can do action. They can do action sequences very well. But there were some concerns as well in there, right? Like there was um, the sets and fantasy shows tend to be like uncanny valley-ish. Like there's like, we feel like, feels like a studio and not a real place. Um, And uh, maybe Amazon doesn't have the best track record at like long running shows to tell the full story that we would want to tell for the Wheel of Time. So, So those are kind of the pros and cons we've talked about so far. But I kind of want to ask a different question that may help some of those things, which is if we talked about Cursed and The Witcher being pretty bad. And one of my takes on Cursed in particular is that it would have been better if it didn't take itself seriously. If it had been like, if it had been more campy in the in the vein of Hercules and Xena from the nineties, <laughs> I think I think it would have been a great show. And it doesn't matter how bad the costumes are because everybody's in on the joke and i kind of wonder if amazon were to like i feel like they're going to play it straight right they're going to play the, they're going to play the wheel of time as a serious fantasy story it's going to take itself seriously it's going to be like we're, we're the dragon reborn i have to look like a uh andoran noble i have you know the tattoo has to be perfect <laughs> you know and blah 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 but i kind of wonder if they if they would mitigate their the risk there by poking fun at themselves very often throughout the show. And so anything that doesn't quite live up to the expectations might be smoothed over by the fact that it's like kind of in on the joke. What do you think about that? Oh, shoot. Uh, I don't know. That that one's tough for me. Uh, Robert Jordan mentioned that Merlin, whatever show was done with the Wheel of Time, this is back in, I think, the early 2000s because I think NBC had bought the rights or something. I don't know. Uh, and Or was planning to. If they just made something as good as Merlin, he was going to be totally pleased. Now, 
uh, to me, Merlin has the thing that you're talking about, right? It kind of doesn't take itself very seriously. Um, it's a bit campy, and I love I loved Merlin, but I I can't. I'm not on board for that for, for the Amazon series. <laughs> I love Hercules and Xena and Merlin, and I yeah. love this like campy campy fantasy thing. I think it really works. It really smooths over the rough edges. Okay, I'll say, I'll say this um, to our to your spinoff idea. Uh, ideas. I think if they had like a Matt and Talmanes spinoff, <laughs> I think you could do like a Merlin campy Matt and Talmanes kind of like show. I would be totally into that. Not for the core show, but they could absolutely spin off something. I, I'm 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 into that. Yeah, I'm into that side. I, there there is another show that recently has become very popular. I kind of want to bring this up, and maybe later we'll do like a you know a, a more in depth analysis of this. But I've watched it recently. Everyone else seems to be watching it. It's The Boys. It's on Amazon also. And and I'm going to suggest or ask you this question about season two. Have you have you watched The Boys at this point? Have you I haven't. Well, that's gonna make this difficult. Other than I'll 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 share my opinion about this. Season one on point. Season two feels like they lost their way. And it almost feels like Amazon made a mistake with season two, in my opinion. Uh it, it it feels like it's just floundering, but it's going to stay popular because it it has yeah you know, it's got superheroes and they're they're being bad you know they're doing bad stuff and people want to know how these people turn out, but I feel like they lost their way really quickly. That is one thing that concerns me about the upcoming Wheel of Time series. One of the differences though is that the boys is all original, right and. Wheel of Time does have source material, so it's much harder to stray off the main plot with Wheel of Time than the boys would. But the the rough edge here is that it's kind of gone off the rails. It doesn't have a tight storyline, a tight plot. A lot of shows do this in the second or third season. It could smooth over some of that by just having really cool other things, being really playing into its strengths of like you know action sequences or the, you know the idea of the bad guys doing bad things. There's another series that I personally love, and it's the Spartacus series from, uh, I think it was Showtime or oh, Stars. Yeah, I'm not absolutely. sure which one from yeah. like the 2000s. It wasn't really the story of Spartacus. Like It was just a guy named Spartacus who's a gladiator and whatever. Story is very, very soap opera-y. Like it's, it's not the best story in the world. But what it does have is lots of gory violence <laughs> yeah, yeah. and lots and lots of sex. Yeah. Crixus, so, is that his name? Just gloss over the bad dialogue, the okay <laughs> acting, the obviously like studio set with some obvious CG, and then watch the nudity and the violence and have a great time. <laughs> and so I do feel like if the Wheel of Time were to lose its way and like plot wise, maybe in the second or third or fourth season. Um, it could lean into some of its strengths. And I'm not saying throw a bunch of nudity and violence into it, but I am saying they could lean into, like, say, let's spend more time on the Aiel kicking butt. They could kind of lean and break the story a little bit, but lean into the parts that are really good. And that could salvage and smooth over some of those rough edges that they might run into later. Yeah, on. that's that's a good point. I, I think there is some forgiveness. You saw this with Game of Thrones. You know, where it's like, okay, yeah, I mean, this is enough, but yes, give me more violence and sex. You know what I mean? It's like, give me more right. violence and nudity. You know, 
and it did basically allow them to kind of get get the audience through like yeah this might seem like repetitive we're having these same conflicts it's the same people doing the same bad stuff but it's almost like a little bit of a, an addictive hit I, I wonder if there will be something like that for the wheel of time series i yeah i wonder if they will kind of bend some rules in order to give you just you know, maybe, uh, maybe you like, yeah, you, it's some Aes Sedai battle, battle or something like that. Or maybe it's, um, they'll show just, you know, random, random male channelers. You just don't, they don't know they're there and things will happen and people can't, you know, everyone's going to want to know like who's channeling and what they're doing. And so random things will happen and, un- and unexplainable or inexplicable, you know, and I don't know. I, I that would uh, bum me out, but I think it's going to happen. Like, I think we're going to get to season three or season four, and they're just going to find the things that the audience likes, and we're going to see a little bit more of those things happen. You know, I think that's a good point. The big problem I have with long-running series, um, and this is particularly relevant to the Dresden Files, which I love the series, I love the books, but I do feel um, that Butcher jumped the shark about halfway through the series. <laughs> um, and I, I, and it, I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you why, which is that TV shows do this all the time. Westworld did it. Heroes did it. Um, a whole bunch of TV shows have done this, which I'm afraid Amazon might fall into this trap, but given the strong source material, maybe they won't. The problem is that what they do is they, they think, okay, the first battle, right. Is between Rand and like a Trolloc. Okay, he can't fight a Trolloc again. He's already done that. He has to fight a Mirdral. <laughs> right, 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 right. Okay, now he's fought a Mirdral. Okay, what's after a Mirdral? Okay, there's a Forsaken. Okay, what's after a Forsaken? There's another Forsaken. <laughs> oh my God. Okay, so two Forsaken. He's going to fight two Forsaken. And then he's going to... Yeah, and, yeah. And like, they feel like they have to like raise the stakes every time. There's like one Black Aja. And no, there's 13 Black Aja. No, there's, right, there's exactly. 13 Black Aja and 13 Mirdral. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And like the, the Dresden Files one um, is, you know, his first one's like a vampire and the second one's like a werewolf and the third one's like a witch. And by the time you get to the sixth or seventh one, he's defeated like Hades. You know, you kill one of the gods, where do you go after <laughs> okay, that? Hold on. Like, okay. hold on, hold on. I need to, I need this, this is a public announcement because uh, I don't think Jim Butcher's ever going to hear this. But if he did, I will jump that shark with him every day. <laughs> I, will, I will I will jump over the shark every, yeah, every yeah. day. No, I agree with you completely. <laughs> I, I love the series. I love the series. But it's it's the same. There's a there's a need for authors and storytellers to raise the stakes every season sure. yeah. and every book and every you know, Supernatural does this. Like, you know, okay, the fourth season <laughs> is he, he, he goes to hell and beats Lucifer, right? Beats the devil. What do you do after that? Okay, well, we got God's sister. Okay. <laughs> we just, what, what, about, what about after that? You know, the like, Archangel the Michael. The stakes get higher and higher. And it, just gets, it just gets more and more absurd. And it gets harder and harder for an author or a storyteller to tell a good story while raising the stakes every time. So what I'm afraid of with The Wheel of Time is that they might think the story that's in the books is not raising the stakes quite fast enough for a TV series. And they might try to do some really absurd Okay, but things. you know, maybe this is a topic for a future episode. I think this is a good question. And the question I have for you, Brian, is... Is the Wheel of Time a series of Monster of the Week episodes? Tune in next time on <laughs> Barside Chats. I think that's a good question, and I think there's a lot of arguments to for and against it. And I think that, um, yeah, I think that's a good question. Okay, this sounds like we've kind of reached a good stopping point. So 
what are your final thoughts on whether or not Amazon can pull this off? We think that, or I think that Amazon has a really good chance of doing something really good because the man in the high castle really raised the bar for world building, for telling a good story, for making a world believable. Mrs. Maisel demonstrates they can do really good writing, really good, tight, uh, rapid, witty, funny writing, um, very smart writing, um, great characters. And then uh, the Jack Ryan, Tom Clancy show shows they can do action sequences and a thriller style uh, thing if they need to. And they have the resources not only to do it, but to do it very, very well. So I think Amazon has a really good chance of doing that. And I think the risks that are left for Amazon, the things that I'm most concerned about are the things that I'm concerned about with every story that I've ever heard, which is kind of going off the rails on the third or fourth season and running out of steam and like, losing quality. Um, what do you, do you, Did I miss anything? You haven't seen The Boys yet, but I would say The Boys proves that they can do dark, powerful people storylines. Like they can do those, they can do those well. They can, you know, we we have people that are so overpowered in the Wheel of Time that you have to, they have, they can't be two dimensional, right? They they have to be really deep and interesting people that are unpredictable in many ways. And I and I think that The Boys does bring that. And uh, so I, I, I think the body of work does prove that they can mix it all together. And we have Rafe as a showrunner. He's a fan of the books. Uh, people know that Sarah Nakamura is the, the Wheel of Time like TV show consultant. She's a huge fan of the books. So we know we have, and we know some of the writers for the show have read the books. You know, I think it was like the Clarkson twins. I definitely know they're huge fans of the books. We know that they have uh, directors coming in that have, really good credit to their work. We, we know the composer they have coming in is, is, uh, is famous and, uh, and fantastic. So they're definitely pulling all the pieces in. Can they make, and can they stand up Robert Jordan's world and really tell that where we, where we feel embedded in the world, it feels like really epic. Uh, you know, it has really dark and, you know, light, um, the dark and light, uh, battle and, and the, and the, protagonist antagonists are really interesting and compelling and and layered i think they can but i'm with you is amazon in for the long haul will they continue to bring those kind of directors will they continue to bring that kind of casting and that kind of writing season after season after season or will amazon suffer the same thing that most people do which is they're gonna maybe they'll just get a little bit bored like yeah we did this thing and move on that's probably my ultimate uh, question and I guess we'll see how far some of these other shows, you know, uh, you know how many seasons, like for example, the boys will go. Uh, they're already talking spinoff of the boys, by the way. So that's another episode for later, which is how quickly do we think that we're going to get a spinoff from the from the actual the Wheel of Time show? Like, if it's successful the first season, will they start talking spinoff? And I think it's possible. All right, let's leave it there. Thanks for joining me tonight, Matt. As always, it's fantastic. And yes, go watch The Boys. And I need to catch up on the last Jim Butcher book and watch the last three seasons of Supernatural and read one of the 30 books you've recommended to me. You should so, definitely read someday. all of the books I recommended <laughs> so, to you. Your list is a mile long. I know. I know, man. I just, all right. I, uh, I shouldn't have started this show, you know. I should stop the podcast, stop the show, and just read books. All right. Thanks for listening. If you are a fan of the podcast, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and tell your friends. Tell somebody about us.
We'd love to have more fans and more people listening. We'll see you next time at the bar side. Barside Chats is a Dusty Wheel production, jointly hosted by Brian the Gleeman and Matt the Innkeeper. If you would like to support this podcast, please leave us a review at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, or you may email us at podcast at thedustywheel.com.